You are listening to Corellian Run Radio, your route through hyperspace to the latest news on Star Wars The Old Republic. Weary from a long day of Jedi Council meetings? Companions nagging you because you've been ignoring them? Frustrated because that captain won't stay dead? Time to hop a starship to Narshada and try your hand at Hutball. Nothing like a good old-fashioned killing spree disguised as sport to brush the cobwebs away. Throw in a few fire traps and an exploding ball and you've struck PvP gold. Hutball, the perfect break from the MMO grind. May not be approved by the hardcore RP community. Spectator mode not included. Well, I don't know what to say after that wonderful bumper. Uh, Hutball all the way. (laughs) Welcome to Corellian Run Radio. This is episode number 31, and we're recording Friday, September 2nd. And as you can tell, I've got the PAX creepy crud. (laughs) So I apologize ahead of time. If you cannot understand me or hear me, I can barely talk, so... Anyway, Kathy, Roxanne, hello. 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 Hi, guys. Glad to be back. It's been way too long since our last podcast. Sorry, everyone. Uh. <laughs> yes, it has. So, Kathy, uh, how's your week back uh, been back so far? We'll talk about packs in a little while, but what have you been doing the last three or four days? Oh, just trying to get the content out, which many of you have may have noticed is not exactly coming out that uh, fast. So sorry about that, too. But we just had RL issues and being sick and working until 2 a.m. for Roxanne. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get through stuff. But, yeah, there's a lot of just, you know, and getting ready for this podcast. But we will be getting things up on our site soon. At least we're getting this podcast. So that'll yep. that'll be that'll catch us up, I think. Oh, yeah. What about you, Roxanne? I know that you've been burning the midnight oil. and uh... Yeah, well, you know, I took off two days um, last week to go to PAX, and then I'm I'm taking off this entire next upcoming week to go on vacation uh, with some of my friends. So I was only back at work for, like, three days. <laughs> and during those three days, one of my tasks leads was, like, panicking because uh, the validation for the simulator that I've been building for the past year is happening next week. And he's like... I freaking out, I guess, is like, because he's not overreacting. He should be panicking. Because <laughs> like, I'm not going to be around and I can't do changes. But they were kind of late doing their QA cycle. So they found all these things that I need to fix. And, like, I did what I could. And they have my phone number so they can try to call me. But, yeah, there was just kind of like, I was in the office till 1 in the morning yesterday. Just, like, trying to get all this stuff done before I disappear forever. So I was only back for three days after PAX. But they've been, like... You know, a horrible, horrible like the three days from hell. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to miss this place. (laughs) (laughs) And to top all that off, you've been working on our video of our interview, right? Yeah, Yeah. because I'm like, oh god, it's been so long. We need to get stuff up, but whatever. Uh, Well, not whatever. I love you, fans, and I'm working (laughs) super hard to get it done. Uh, Carly, you've just been. Trying to get better is that? Oh uh, yeah, the the last three days have have just been horrible. I have been sick and running fever and in bed most of the time. It's just been not good. So I haven't done a lot, and that's another reason why some of this stuff hasn't gotten up. And I apologize, everyone. 
hopefully I'm on the downhill slide of this Pax Creepy Crud. I didn't really believe that there was a plague going around, but I believe it now. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> I heard Zach on Moss Eisley Radio, and he was coughing his way through his uh-huh. podcast, so he got something too. Oh, but uh, no. well, I think he caught something from the lady on the plane on the way home. That's what he I used saying. to. Yeah, I always used to get sick after I flew, mm-hmm. and I yep. don't know why. Yep. Um, speaking of flying, I just want to quick at the beginning of the podcast in case this guy actually listens. I sat next to um, Mark. I, well, first of all, yes, I got bumped up to first class, so Ooh. we were all feeling in good moods and chatty, but uh, the guy next to me uh, just happened to be, he, he didn't go to PAX, but he was a former gamer, and I was talking to him about the podcast, and um, and we had just some great conversations about, like, Diablo and Gen Con. He'd been to Gen Con in the 80s and met Gary Gygax, and it was really fun, so I sort of talked up our podcast. He, I think he'd heard of the game, maybe. But um, but I but it was just really enjoyable to meet. You know, I'm sure that you guys had this experience. Meet people, you know, at the convention or on the plane that you know had shared similar interests. Although he was coming from a roller coaster vacation, but um, I was, sounds uh, like a pretty good life. Yeah, fly yeah, around exactly. first class, take roller coaster vacations, <laughs> yeah. whatever that is. <laughs> but uh, but you know, yeah, that kind of for the for me, just the experience of of just meeting different people and you know that like, you don't. He was talking to about kobolds, and I said. Oh. Oh, kobolds. I can't remember the last time someone said that word to me. <laughs> and it's just really so much fun to, you know, meet other people in this, this gaming community. Well, it's, it's unusual because so many gamers are used to being closet gamers, especially if you're an older adult. You don't talk about going mm-hmm. in gaming, you know. So when you get people to talk, you know, about stuff like that, it's so cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, anyway. Alrighty. Well, it is time for our host challenge. Fact. You know it to be true. Or fiction. That's impossible. Okay, I'm going to read three bits of information or three leads about the game. Two of them will be made up or not yet confirmed. Only one will be a fact confirmed by Bioware. Your job is to pick out which one is true. Are you guys ready? Maybe. I'm a little worried. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be that tough, but I did try to to dig into it a little bit. Okay, lead number one. Ilum is the new PvP planet for playing Hutball. Lead number two. Hotball is a game where not you can not only play Republic versus Empire, but you can also play Republic versus Republic or Empire versus Empire. Lead number three. Hotball is a spectator sport where spectators can bet on which team will win. So, after hearing all three leads, which one do you think is the confirmed fact? Oh, I know this one. I know this one, too. It's number two. It's the second one. <laughs> yes. I guess, because. like, I assume, though, that the the spectator sport where you can bet in spectator, I bet, like, in lore and in the world, that is true. But I know that <laughs> they, well, we talked to them, and they said that there currently is no spectator mode. Mm-hmm. So, yep. like, there isn't an in-game mechanic to help you bet on, on matches. But they said that all the tools were there. 
so that they could add one. Right, that was Gabe Amatangelo talking yeah. about one of the Q and A's, and that... I think they're really hoping to kind of like pump that up into like an esports thing because they know. talked about how like visual the game is and how like there might be a spectator mode sometime in the future. So yeah, that'd, that'd be, be really cool. To that see would evolve. be exciting. So and I then Ilum is a PV planet, but that's not where Hutfall will be played. Yeah, Hutfall's yeah on it's Narshida. on Narshida. Exactly, Ilum's going to be a fun open world PVP planet. So and Ilum from like the update ten thousand years ago was what the planet where you can harvest crystals mm-hmm. for the right. Jedi used to harvest crystals for lightsabers and then the Sith found out about it right and now there's just like open world craziness yes and... which we learned about later um Ilum I think isn't that the planet that they created for this game does oh, that God. sound familiar to you guys <laughs> I think so <laughs> Sorry. I didn't have encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of the <laughs> I might be making. Let's that just up, say yes. Yeah, no, maybe that's no, Kesh, I, actually. I Ilum think it's Kesh. is the planet they they created for the old republic. No, we, look, we have a factor fiction within our factor it, fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know the answer to. Lord um, have I think mercy. Actually, I'm wrong. But anyway, <laughs> so I think that what I'm talking about is Kesh. But but anyway, yes. Um, All right. Well, but let's. Yeah, it's. I think it's cool that Republic can play Republic though. I do too. It's cool. So I did cool. too. And, all, my yeah. only my only regret on that whole thing is that we can't do the pre-made things, but we'll get to that later. Mm, <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about it. <laughs> so. Okay. Stay let, tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Let's get to the latest news and tour. From the Newsnet. And, and we are. All right. Well, let's just start sort of talking, working our way through packs. Now, Carla, you and your husband, Bill, arrived a couple of days early and you did a little touristing, didn't you? Oh, we did. I had the best time. I tell you, Seattle is a very welcoming town. I, You know, you always talk about Southern hospitality, but we didn't run into anyone in Seattle that wasn't just as helpful and kind and really didn't, you know, look down their nose at a bunch of tourists trying to find their way because we made a last-minute decision not to rent a car. We wanted to use their public transportation, um, but which included the bus, but it also included the monorail, and plus we walked a lot. So mm-hmm. um, the first day we went down to the Pike Street Market, and for those that don't know what that is, it's this beautiful open market that has this big fish a uh, uh, supermarket type thing where you, every now and then if someone orders a particular fish or a particular type of fish, they throw the fish across the room and it's just awesome to watch. Right, right. I, yeah, like in films. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just so excited because I'd never seen anything like that before, you know. And they had all of these fresh flowers. There were several flower markets oh. there. And we went there towards the end of the day, the next day, because we were looking around for some really nice place to eat on the harbor, and we decided to walk past the market again. And at the end of the day, they have all of these wonderful, wonderful, you know, fragrant flowers. And I could not believe a bouquet that I would normally pay, you know, 30 40 50 bucks for, they were going for $5. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, I would just want to scoop all of these up and take them back to the room because they smelled so good and they were so beautiful and... I mean, there was lots of tourists there, and it was just a wonderful place to be. You had all the sights and the smells, and you were right there on the harbor. You, they had a, a tea shop, a, 
when I say a tea shop, it had coffees and teas and spices and all kinds of things that you could take home with you. And uh, we had a great time there. Oh, that's neat. Didn't you do that underground tour? Yes, on uh, Wednesday what's, what's morning. What's in that? What is in that? Okay. <laughs> you see? It, I was very, very amazed to listen to the history of Seattle and how the underground came to be. The underground um, was built or the town was built when it was much, much lower. And so a lot of, you know, it would get a lot of water. And plus there was a lot of people up on top of the hill um, and all of their, uh, I hate to say it, but sewer and all that stuff would run downhill. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally downhill. And so they had to build the streets up, you know, to get it above flooding stage and and that sort of thing and it's fun to to listen so to the whole just, history do you just walk like in you the walk, sewers or well what? it's like you they built the town or their buildings they have like retaining walls so they they built um the walls of the old town uh they made the streets paved to where you would have to go like up if you wanted to go from one building to the next. You'd have to crawl a ladder up, walk across the street, and crawl a ladder back down to walk down the sidewalks because the sidewalks were down below until they got everything built back up. So the the first floor of the buildings is actually underground, huh. you know, because they had to build the 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 streets and stuff up to right, get it right. up higher. So the tour is um, you're going through and seeing all of these old buildings and seeing what they look like from the ground level. And they had pictures inside the underground showing what that building looked like before everything was buried. Right, right, right. You know, before that first floor was buried. And so it was kind of neat to walk through. And there's some artifacts and stuff still in there. And, uh, of course, they keep it locked up so that people don't just pilfer away all the stuff. and. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good that you actually took the time because Roxanne and I, Roxanne and I, basically saw the Space Needle from our taxi, and then we could see half of it from our hotel room, and yeah. that was probably the extent of our Seattle tourist activity. Well, we that, did. We took a lot of time to look. Well, I say two and a half days to look around. We even went to the Space Needle. We didn't go all the way up um, because I took a kind of a nosedive. Uh, I had a little bit of an accident when I was uh, our last or Wednesday, um, on our way to see the Space Needle, I tripped over. The sidewalks there in Seattle are very uneven. I think it's because of the shifting of the the land or, or whatever, but they're very uneven. And I just tripped <laughs> Lame, like a klutz. <laughs> you know, I am just a klutz, you know, and I tripped and fell and I gashed open my head and my knee and all that. Anyway, we decided to continue on to our journey once I got band-aided up and stuff. So, um, we we went to the uh, science fiction museum and we went to the music museum that's over there. The science fiction museum had a display of Avatar and Battlestar Galactica. Oh, really? Cool. And it was very very cool. I I'm a I love the movie Avatar, and so to go back and see how the movie was made. And, I mean, it showed film clips, and it showed artifacts. It showed some of the props. And yeah, that's stuff. The most, I always like those kinds of exhibits, ones from movies and things, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was totally, totally awesome. And then on the Battlestar Galactica one, you know, again, I'm showing my age, but I remember watching the very original one. And, <laughs> uh, 
um, to watch them compare the original to the the new newer version. Well, there really isn't a comparison. Yeah, <laughs> but the they did sort of. Awful. I know, but they did sort of compare it and see how they improve things and change things up to make it to more modern and and stuff. And I thought that was really good. And that's probably about everything that we you know, saw, um, in the short time that we were there, there was lots more. We, we wanted to go to the mountains, but we just didn't get a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, and then the next day, Roxanne and I arrived, um, that was Thursday. Right. And the first thing that we did would have, would have a uh, dinner with a lot of the other podcasting community. There was, there were about 10 of us, I think, right. We I had so. like Toro cast and Moss Eisley, ask Bill from ask a Jedi, Jeff from tour wars. um, and that might be it. Us. Well, Ford dropped by, and then and then Ford, yeah. one of our regular forums users, he came by because he saw. I think was it you, Carla? Have the has that you tweeted or, or you have that four square thing uh-huh. where you check in. <laughs> so he tracked us down. So that was really fun. We met him for the first time at PAX East, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a it was a good time. Um, and then uh, I guess. The next day is when things really got started, which was Friday. Um, and so we got there an hour early and uh, and went to the tour booth directly. There were, there were a bunch of us, so the other podcasters, and we noticed that there were already media in there. And uh, and it was like, oh, so because we had we were spoiled at PAX East. And I don't know what happens at the other ones, but, but we had actually gotten immediate time to play the game. And I just asked David Bass, I was like, so, so if we're not in there, who is in there? And, and it was like a bunch of the, I guess the, the, the quote real media, yeah. <laughs> of the bigger, bigger things. Um, and, and apparently David Bass said that that was, like the PR department actually just like filled all the slots. So that I mean, was... it's always the PR department. That's how we lost our media slot at PAX East. Remember? Maybe. Because like they, like three or four stations got like taken over because like the EA PR people were right. like, listen, these like four media outlets are here. You need to make room for them. So yeah, that's like, right. Because we guess did get who's a... bumped into the general <laughs> yeah, slot. That's right. Because we did get a slot at the beginning. And I then remember because we, we had, and it was the first time that we had met people like David Bass and Stephen Reed, and I was like panicking or like freaking out because I'm pretty like introverted and you were like grabbing Bioware people and like name dropping like crazy. <laughs> like David Bass told us to be here, and I was like. Oh. <laughs> They're gonna hate us. <laughs> it was fine, <laughs> but uh, it was so, fine. Now we're so, all best friends. That's right. Now we're all best friends. We said cookies. Um, so uh, we, but we did get at the beginning of the line, and I think actually a few of us at the front of the line got pulled into that yeah. first session. Yeah. Um, I, like Brooks did. And... No, no, no. I meant to this. Oh, this, this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So we got to play. Stuck in the past. That's right. We got to play hutball. Um, yeah, which not yeah, everyone. Yeah, so, yeah people yeah. later in the day they had started playing Alderaan again. Yeah, so they missed yeah. it. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So what did you guys think of football? Oh my god. I absolutely had the best time playing hotball. That is, it's so different than other, what I would call a battleground or an arena like we're used to from World of Warcraft or any other game that I've played. This was, it's, they're, Bioware is just so ingenious with this hotball game. I mean, to go, I mean, the object of the game is to, every, both teams started opposite sides. You run to the center, someone's got to grab the ball, and then 
you slow down if you have mm-hmm. the ball. It slows you down. So Because it's really heavy. That's be, like the Yeah. <laughs> something. I don't know what it is. But anyway, it slows you down. And your team needs to help you get across the platform to the other side where the opposing faction came out to score to score you have to make it to the end zone like in yeah. football correct yeah. and uh you have to avoid poison traps you have to avoid oh, acid. acid or acid or whatever it is all i know is it burns your butt up and in uh, <laughs> do you know that from experience yeah I, believe me i i know from experience and you have to I avoid like, fire when traps I, played, I jumped off the platform and i ran right into it <laughs> I was like, bam. <laughs> oh, well, so I didn't because Stephen Reed was right behind me. Yeah. And he was telling me, oh, you know, as I'm running to towards the center, it's like, that's that's acid. Don't don't go in that. I'm like, okay, good. I will cut this corner on this ramp and jump over and go around it, except that I Except that instead of cutting the corner and jumping and going around, I leaped off the ramp down into the pit <laughs> below. And he's like, as I'm doing it, don't fall off. Okay, all right. <laughs> and he moves on. <laughs> yeah, so that was nice to hear in front of Stephen, <laughs> which was actually good because then he was able to tell me where to run to get out. But, um, but yes, I really like the... Well, and actually, I mean, in a lot of ways, it feels I mean, the the concept is similar to Warsaw Gulch. I was gonna, right? I wanted to say this. <laughs> it like felt a lot like a Warsaw Gulch match, but you could tell that's because people were playing it like a Warsaw Gulch match. Like <laughs> you mean badly? Yeah. Well, I mean, like people. The thing that we noticed after that we had watched a couple of rounds of other people playing is that no one knows how to throw the ball. So realistically, it was exactly like Warsaw Gulch. <laughs> so if you can imagine a sporting event where people like don't throw the ball, they just like run with it. So I, this is the kind of game where I think we're going to see how different it is like a couple weeks after people have been able to like play it and right. learn how the actual game works. Because you could see people just falling into all those bad PvP Warsaw Gulch habits Fighting that you're used to. Yeah, like we were watching this one like Pyrotech who you could t- it sucked because you could tell that he was kind of good like he knew where all his abilities were he knew where like the buffs were but you would watch his screen and you could see like the ball carrier and his team run by being pursued and he's just like eh <laughs> I know I'm going to go back to killing this guy I'm, I'm just going to kill this one guy who's off like here and not like doing anything and yeah. we're like what a jerk I'm like getting angry and I have no emotional investment in this match I couldn't understand why people were not following the ball carrier or getting ahead of the ball carrier instead it was like they were wanting to fight in the middle you know and i was just like yeah and i was like come on guys we've got to protect the ball carrier get him up there because there's only two or three of the opposing faction that were attacking the 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 ball carrier which i thought was kind of strange i mean i would have all eight people ganked him i mean that that, to me that would have been the obvious thing to do Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) but uh you know, they were fighting in the middle, and then you were having to, as you were running with your, you know, if you were doing part of your job and running with your ball carrier and trying to get through, you had to time the fire traps. Oh, my gosh, I died to the fire traps like three times, and I'm sitting here timing them, you know. Right. I but did, too. If I, you only died three times, then you did better than 90% of the game. <laughs> I was so trying to avoid those fire traps because they were, they are deadly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there were that was and and those those elements do add a like this whole different level of fun. Plus, like those air jets, there are these yeah. air jets oh, that you step on. Those. 
well, they're good as kind of a last ditch effort. If you're just being chased and you're about, you, you can just jump on this air jet and it randomly throws you somewhere else. On, so it on might the... throw you up on the platform towards the end zone you're going to, but it might throw you like 50 feet behind. And I don't know if it can throw you on a fire jet, but I kept seeing people go really close. <laughs> I was like, oh. I guess I'm just oblivious. I never saw the fire. I mean, the, the, the jets, the air jets. Yeah. I never saw them. They're on the ground, kind of like near the middle, where the maybe there are more, but those are the, always the ones that I saw, where the ball spawns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like it's a really good way to get out of the middle if you're being like pursued. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, I didn't see that. I'm gonna have yeah, to really that was look a lot, at that lot of video. Fun. Um, I hit the first one by accident, and I thought it was like an ability that someone had like, <laughs> yeah, like oh wow, someone like really knocked me in the jaw, <laughs> like, like two hundred feet, because that's the what the animation looks like. You look like you were punched in the jaw, and you're unconscious because you're like yeah. your spine's bent kind of backwards, and all your limbs are sort of you're wobbly. Just loose. Yeah, it's not like if you imagine what a real air jet, or if you jumped on like you know a mechanical trampoline that threw you, you'd be kind of like athletic and tensed, like you were had a jetpack. But this is, yeah, no, it's like someone punched you in the mouth and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, I actually am, I don't like that animation. No, there, I are hate some, it. there are some animations I don't like and that's one of them. <laughs> um, but we'll see if that changes or not. Because I actually heard other people kind of complain about that. It's yeah. like, hard to look heroic when it looks like you're just like loose and yeah. like, unconscious. Well, one but... of the things that I thought was, was really cool is sitting back watching people play. And mm-hmm. I think that that's why everybody, I mean, I did not meet one person that did not say that they would not love to see this game as a spectator sport so that they could see it, you know, sit around maybe up at the upper top or something to, to just watch a couple of games. Because yeah, I had, I said this on Torocast, but I had a lot more fun watching people play just because I was getting a better idea of how the game actually worked mm-hmm. than when I was actually playing, just because I'm like pretty competitive and I really like to win so it was really frustrating when I was just kind of like screwing up my class and Brian Hart was calling me out for not knowing where any of my abilities or, were. Was it Brian or was it Gabe Amatangelo? Oh, it was, that was Gabe. It was Gabe, was yeah, sorry. That was totally commentary. wrong. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, yeah, he was running our commentary. He yeah. was like, oh, there's a, the trooper is like the only one blocking the end zone. Use a cryo grenade. And I'm like, I only know how to shoot things. <laughs> where is that ability? But I think I, it'll be a lot different when we know our characters. Well, I mean, of course, of course it will be different when yeah. you have any inkling yeah of I know. <laughs> and i think that some of the people who didn't like the experience there it all kind of came from the place of i really didn't know anything about how to play this class and yeah that's a little overwhelming if this is your first time hands on the game to be thrown into this scenario so that that's probably the only downside of having this type of thing but you know i and i had that exact same experience but i but i could just tell that this would be really really fun if everyone knew what they were doing yeah <laughs> even if it was they only know how to play their class but uh, but but getting the strategies down you know it would just be so much fun to queue up with your friends yeah which kind of said segues into we found out at one of the Q&As that you can only queue up for these PV well for this one anyway as a group of four they will not let you come in with an all eight what is the reason behind that the reasoning behind it is that they they don't want 
you know, like these pre-mades? PvP guilds, pre-mades. Yeah, at, at this stage in the game, I guess their matching system. I'm, I'm not sure uh, if it won't, couldn't handle it, it or if they just don't have it in there. It should not be to... that hard to match pre-mades with pre-mades. Well, if and, someone and queues up, if a, yeah, I know, Probably. but I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I know. It's disappointing. but um, It is but, very but disappointing. It's not, but if the mechanic isn't in there I, right now, then, yeah, I can see why they don't want a, an eight pre-made to just steamroll over, you know, especially at the game launch, you're going to have a lot of new people trying new things. So well, I, you're going to have get, a lot of people that have never played an MMO before, you know, so you are going to have a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. But I do understand and I'm OK with it not <laughs> being there at launch. But I think it's really important for PVP guilds and guilds that don't PVP that just want to join as a group to be able to do, you know, join as an eight person pre-made but I would not want to fight against a pre-made if I was just randomly queuing. So I do understand both sides, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think it's something that we will definitely eventually see, if even if it isn't in a launch. Um, so, so I guess that, is that about it for Hutball? Any other? Just love it. Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, I guess, and I didn't know this, but I saw in a post that the the ball actually will explode at some point if you hang on to it too long. Is that what it is? Um, I don't know. That's what I heard, <laughs> but I never saw anybody blow up. Yeah, I never saw it either, but uh, Georg Zoller actually talks about it a little bit on the Dev Tracker, so we'll have a link to, to that. Um, uh, and that's also where he explains that it's very heavy, which is why you are slowed down when you're oh, carrying it. Oh, see, I didn't know is that, that. That's probably a mechanic to keep to you like, from, to from encourage turtling. you to throw it. Yeah. You know? Right. Yes, which you really could have because every time when I, I watch the, the if the announcer is going like sometimes you know often you can move the ball forward faster if you throw it but no one ever no did one probably because they didn't know where the button was you yeah. don't get a whole lot of time to learn your character before they yeah. throw you in <laughs> but but yes throwing it is obviously something that's that should be encouraged oh and there's one thing that I learned too is that it that if you are the person that kills the ball carrier you mm-hmm. get the ball it doesn't just drop right. on the ground. Right. Yes, that is important. Um, and if some, and if nobody catches it, I sometimes it goes back to the middle, though. I did. What? Yeah. Why did? When does it go back to the middle? Mm, I, I don't have know. No idea. I don't know. Yeah. More to learn. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the more we learn, the more I like about this game. I just hope we get the spectator mode soon. Um, all right. So that was the first thing we did, and then there was a Q and A uh, fairly close after that, and they covered lots of different. Im- the stuff actually the, some of the questions at this one were actually pretty good um one of the questions th- that we tackled was the issue of lockouts um and they were talking about right now that's a good question who asked that i think it might have been corellian on radio oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> on the second pass after when stephen reed came by and asked you if you had any questions you went no <laughs> I was like, what? You told him no? <laughs> Fortunately, he came back again. Yeah, he kind of said, do you have any questions? Well, he, he was like, surely you have a question. And I got really intimidated. And I was like, no. <laughs> Steven is a little intimidating. I know. I didn't have any questions. They were The people were doing so well before me. They were like, will there be guilds? And I was like, what else can you ask after that? <laughs> will the classes be balanced? <laughs> So anyway, raid lockouts. So we know that there is a, a a normal mode and a difficult mode, correct, in the game right now. And uh, we wanted to know if 
if they if they shared a lockout essentially and gabe said the the two the normal mode and the hard mode do not share a lockout so if you do one you could do the other one also in the same uh you know lockout Weekly period which period, they haven't right. set yet but i think eternity vault for instance is at the is at one week right now um <clears throat> then he then i grabbed him afterwards cuz i he cuz he hadn't really asked my answered my question about raid size and he said that currently the raid size does not share or wait does share a lockout so i guess what's happening now if you go in on the 8 man and you kill like the first two bosses if you were to enter the 16 man mode then you would not be able to kill the first two bosses but you would be able to do the rest of it so that's kind of how they they have some flexibility in these lockouts um and that that like they talk about the flexibility in a depth tracker thing where i will or interview i'll look it up and put it in the show notes <clears throat> um so so there's but you know as we all know anything can change from from here you know here on um he also talked a little bit about raid loot and we know that from previous i think gamescom they said that the loot does not the loot quality does not change depending on your raid size so an eight-man raid will drop the same type of loot that a 16-man raid will um however the 16-man raid will drop slightly more than twice as much loot it'll be the same type of loot but you'll get you know, there's so that's the incentive for running the for the larger size raid. You, you're going to get just a little bit more loot than you would in the eight man raid. So I just I wish that they was... didn't share the lockout. I mean, I understand why they did it because you'd just become loot whores or something, you know. But yeah, is that the reason? I yeah, I didn't actually. I think you would equip, you would get gear faster, so yeah. you would not have the need to run these things, you know, and it would put an undue burden on them to get more out faster, you know. I, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that probably is what they're looking at, and so you know, and you know, all these things can change, <laughs> but right. that's what's going on now. Um, the other thing that we got, oh, and the third, the they are working on a third difficulty, which they've said a few several times, and if there was a like a normal, medium, hard the heart three levels, then the then the normal or easy version gets its own lockout. Lock and then the the both the medium and the the hard modes would share, so there would be two different. Yeah, I can see. You know, there's so many different combinations. It would get kind of crazy if everything sure. was you know, its own thing. But uh, so yeah, I felt I felt pretty good about that information that we learned at that Q and A. Um, I also noticed that I tweeted that there's no dungeon finder. I don't remember even tweeting that, but I saw it in our feed. <laughs> um, is that right? Is that what we've got, heard from other places? I didn't hear the question because yeah, I was coughing no, my head off. No dungeon finder. That's like a looking for group thing, yeah. isn't that? Yeah. Um, uh, so. No, I didn't hear that. Um, I thought that there was the ability. I thought he said there was the ability to look for a group. Hmm. All right. Well, 
So ignore that tweet if it's wrong. I don't know. I, let's we need to verify that. We'll verify that and put that in our show notes because yeah, there's got to be yeah, something. Yeah, it's a little there. crazy when there's like all this stuff happening and people are asking questions and <laughs> so the, we we try to get it out. But I saw that in there. It kind of confused me for a second because I thought we had heard that there was one. But anyway, all right. So uh, the second Q and A happened later in the afternoon, and we learned I think stuff that we already know. Basically, the no spectator mode. They reiterated that world boss loot is not going to be as good as Flashpoint or raid or operations loot. Um, they talked about some parts of the UI will be customizable uh, They and that they're still adding more features. So, you know, that's something that's changing for launch. Uh, and I guess that's it. James Olin, someone asked about storage and I liked his response. He was just like, you can, you talked about the ship and he goes, you can store a lot of bleep on your ship, <laughs> which got it, which got a laugh. But, uh, so yeah, I think that was about it. Didn't he, the... didn't he also talk about something about crafting that, at that Q and A? Uh, I don't know. What was it? It seemed to me like it, it, when he was talking about, um, the gear that you get that the best gear you can get is going to be going through the raids. But he said that the gear that you get from crafting will set you up. Yeah. I, I don't know if he said it at that Q and a, but he did say that at other, at, in other places. So yes. Or, um, he said you will have to go to, or it it will, yeah, exactly. And some of these things you need for crafting will only drop in raids, which we've heard also. But uh, but yeah, I, I almost felt like craft, the crafting quality got slightly downgraded at this convention based on their answer. I thought it but, did in a major way, in a in major a, way, because it, it all this up until this point, it was stated that crafting gear would be some of the best gear you can get in the game meaning you could get the best gear from some from crafting some from raiding right. some from pvping or whatever but i feel like crafting just got a downgrade yeah so it's hard remark. you know in again in these sort of informal settings you know exactly what they mean by it. but i was but i thought oh so we're not yeah we're not getting quite the same language so what we're gonna have to see um yeah <laughs> but he did turn around and, and say that the economy is going to be player based on crafting and auction housing so you know he he deemed crafting very important Yes. You know, so it's hard to say at this particular point how good or how bad it's going to be. Well, and you know what? I, I bet that's in flux. I bet you it know, is. I bet it's yeah. ever changing. Yeah, <laughs> so, ever changing. Yeah. So, all right. Um, later that day, we had our one interview from PAX, and that was with Daniel Erickson. Woo! Uh, and yeah. <laughs> um, it was. And his uh, abs. Yeah, we <laughs> 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 have to put that in there somewhere. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and we we actually got, I think, a lot of, it was a good interview. We got a lot of different little things out of him, especially your yes, no, pass section. It's actually interesting to see how he answers, you know, not just whether he says pass or no, because you sort of get, you can sort of like, oh, well, maybe he's thinking about it, or he doesn't know. That was the other and thing. And he raises <laughs> that eyebrow. Eyebrows. He's very expressive eyebrows, but not that's what I started saying. He he raises those eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but not as much as Damien Schubert. He has the most expressive <laughs> eyebrows of all the Bioware devs. <laughs> um, so we uh, we we tried to talk about 
same gender romance arcs we asked but unfortunately we just got we got the we're not talking about it and the reason we asked about it is because last con at gamescom Corey butler in a twitter question answer period was asked you know are there going to be same gender romance arcs and he just said no and and then they moved on yeah. like it's like the interviewer didn't care yeah. <laughs> i was like oh really <laughs> and then since then whenever i reference that interview i use interview in quotes because i don't think the reason you have like a, a flesh and blood interviewer is so that you can ask follow-up questions or you can have questions leading to other questions and like as much as i love the social networks and stuff like that i think that running interviews off of Facebook or Twitter is a really misguided use of those things. <laughs> like, I hate when news outlets do it. I hated this interview. I was just like, <laughs> you know what? Like, this is stupid. This is barely an interview. There's nothing you get from it that you couldn't just get from, like, reading the Twitter feed. So, I don't know. That's why we do what we do, guys. It's like, <laughs> so you get a little structure and, like, some thought put behind things. Right. That was just stupid. You should check it out if you haven't seen it so you can roll your eyes with me and be like, what is this? Like, Thanks, GamesCon. <laughs> so anyway, we just wanted to let people know that we did ask about it, but, but unfortunately they're not talking about it. So we'll just have to wait for their official response other than no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that there is an official response that you have to wait for seems a little, it means that something's going on. Because if there was a simple answer, we would have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. Um, well, yeah, and you know, I think that thread there's a thread in the forums it's, it's just on a its, couple i don't know thousand, it's 15th whatever. iteration yeah. last time i yeah. checked or something like that so so there are people out there that that definitely care but um so we will we are working on that getting that interview up i think it's it might be uploading as we speak and uh and we, we'll stick it on our site and check it out because daniel talks about we talk about pre-orders we talk about realism versus immersion yeah. and all kinds of things and and our yes no launch a lot yeah, yeah launch yes our yes no pass section has a lot of like silly little nitty-gritty questions that yep. daniel was rolling his eyes at it yeah. was like oh you guys yeah but <laughs> it got roxanne to pre-order <laughs> yes <laughs> i pre-ordered for many reasons <laughs> the yeah, big finally. news is newsflash roxanne pre-ordered finally <laughs> uh, oh yeah that's true yeah. Um, so let's see what else did you did you play anything else that day while you were there carla Sorry. um i don't think so that day i did the next day mm -hmm. okay well uh, what, what what did you I, look at while i you actually there? got to play firefall and oh, it's a silly little game that <laughs> the characters are all overstated with big old muscles and big you know chest and yeah i like the look of i do too i thought it was hilarious and so i wanted to try it out and they had a PvP section and a and a PvE section, and I decided to try the PvE section since I did not know the game mechanics or anything about you know the game. I had not been following it nearly as closely as I am tour. Um, I had a blast. It was well, so is, much fun. This was the game that you could not help noticing because the swag bag oh, were covered with Firefall. They had like the cutouts. escalators, the bathroom mirrors, yes. like, the street signs, <laughs> the street runs signs. Their marketing, yeah, yeah. They they went all out and um and for a free to play game. 
Yeah, and and you know you walk in and the, like they were at the front of one of the entrances to their section, and they just had this huge screen, right. <laughs> and you just you know, you could see it as you were approaching that section of the hall, and it was the they were running this really neat cinematic, yeah. and it just and it was, it was loud. Their marketing, and... I've always thought that their their medallion banner looks exactly like Starcraft, and I think their marketing actually looks tons like starcraft <laughs> so it was really interesting for me to see the gameplay and be like oh this is like borderlands it's not like because they're they, it actually it's this kind of like glowy look. gritty realism mm-hmm. to to all of their you know their high-res uh promotional videos and like that cinematic that we watched where they were killing aliens well i'm glad to hear there's a pve mode because i was like why is everyone just swinging each other there's like no zerg type aliens at all <laughs> <laughs> And there's that girl wearing half a pair of pants, and I was like, I hate like, But it why? was Who fun. That this was acceptable. <laughs> I know, but it was that was that's what it made it fun. Is it was very cartoony, you know. It was very, yeah. you know, it was not uh, the realism that we have grown yeah. to know and well, love. Yeah, so. but it was it had a really cool aesthetic. I yeah, liked it the cartoon. It had the yeah, it had like what did you say you call it a stroke? Like uh, it actually looks yeah. like a like when yep. a comic book is drawn, you can see a black like line a black outlining everything. everything. Yeah, yeah it looked it. a lot like Borderlands, but like I I know people love Borderlands. And I, I maybe I shouldn't say bad things about Borderlands. Oh, okay. I don't know. I like uh, it looked more fun than Borderlands. Like I, I get a little bored with that game sometimes, just because it's like sort of repetitive or whatever. But Borderlands Two is coming out. Yeah, maybe be well, and free. Awesome. And I think Firefall. I think it's in beta. I think it's there's a free. You can sign up for it if you want. But that was the game. Yeah, I haven't seen I, it in beta. I mean, I haven't heard. I've been signed up for beta for a long time. As soon as they opened their the gates to let mm-hmm. you sign up for Firefall, I did. And yeah. I'm still waiting. And oh, oh dear. So like no, no, but it was it was a lot of fun, and I was really glad I got some hands on time. And then I went and visited another game that really interested me is called The Secret World, and huh. it's set in like the future, but it's set in like across our world as we know it. For example, in you is know. that an MMO? It is an MMO. And is that by Funcom? It or is. is. That else? It is. Okay, so Funcom is making another MMO. I'm just going to, I'm looking it up real quick on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, to to watch the the demo, I mean, because they did not have any hands-on time. You know, you did, the, all their computers were, were, that they had at their booth was, you could take the test to see which of the three factions that you were the Illuminati or the mm-hmm. Templar or the dragons. And you got these cute little dog tags and depending upon which one you, you were. And unfortunately I was, I think again, I, I end up with the bad guys. I got the was Illuminati. It, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, was it totally awesome? Carla, was it the greatest game ever? I thought it was really, really good. I thought it, so, because I like the setting that they have it in. It's a future of our country as, mm-hmm. you know, they saw it in the future or whatever. Yep. And I like that type of genre. And uh, I like the demo that I saw. And I thought, well, this is this has got some potential. It, it, it looked did you play? Good. Did anyone here play the Conan MMO that came out? Age of Conan? Yeah. I tested it. So that's like a, that's Funcom too. And a little history on Funcom. Um, in 2001, they made probably the last great adventure game called uh, The Longest Journey, 
which is one of my all-time favorite games. I love it so much. It was like, it's a point-and-click adventure game, but it's for kind of like a mature audience. So it's, the humor is just like really clever. And like the themes were really different, especially in the year 2000 or 2001. Um, I don't know, the writing, it was just like a different class of game and it was fantastic. And then they made Dreamfall in 2006, which is a significant time after. And it had a really ridiculous cliffhanger ending where like everything's swirling around and you think that all the main characters are like dead maybe. (laughs) And you're like, what's going to happen? And then um, uh, they decided to make Age of Conan instead. And I don't think there's ever going to be a conclusion to Dreamfall because I don't know if they're like not that big a company or whatever. So like, I'm so glad they're making another MMO. Um, Other than finishing that other Finishing game. Dreamfall. I love The Longest Journey. Uh, and, yeah. Oh, oh, Funcom. They're in, they're in Norway, and I think they have an office in, like, North Carolina or something. But if you guys are listening to the podcast, which I'm sure you are, like, <laughs> please, 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 like... You should, like, remember that you have this other series, and I don't know, you should, I will assemble a team for you, (laughs) I will build it for free. (laughs) Just give me, just give me, like, I don't know, Rankwist's notes, and I just want to know how the story ends, and I'll just pretend that the game was built. So I hope the Secret World is the greatest game ever. Yeah, I'm glad that you know about them, and and like I said, I've I've been following the game since I heard about it. And it's been surrounded by mystery. And, you know, they have not started their testing yet that I'm aware of. Um, but they do have a release, a tentative release date of April 2012. So I'm sure that the, they're very close to getting into testing and that sort of thing. And yeah, I well, love the whole well, thing that it was three factions against yeah. each other instead of just two, the typical two factions. And one of the reasons I, you know, and I got to listen in um, about the developers talking about it, and they said one of the reasons they made it a three-faction game was so that if, let's say, the Illuminati are on top, the dragons and the Templars can gang up together, and Mm. there is cross-faction communication so that they can talk to each other, say, hey, we're going to kick the Illuminati's butt, so... Illuminati, dragons, and what was the third faction? Templar. The Templars. That sounds a lot, in a futuristic world, kind of like a dystopian thing, sounds a lot like the way Stark was in um, The Longest Journey. Mm. Because remember, there was all that, like, back-and-forth political thing so I like maybe that'll be really awesome my experience with Dreamfall is that they were they whatever you played that on you kind of like whether it was Xbox or PC you kind of assumed it was a bad port from the other console but I played it on everything it's released for and it's just like the mechanics are not very good <laughs> so I, I wonder how and I never played Age of Conan but like so I wonder how um you know, their MMO is going to be when game mechanics are really important and you can, you can lean on that kind of story pillar mm-hmm. a little less. But uh, Well, watching I mean, the way that they were talking about it in the demonstration, they were talking about in their, their battles, you know, yep. when you go to a different section, it they build on each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one's going to say, you know, guys, like, our mechanics are not very good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, it, you know, you don't know because, no, I couldn't get my hands on the game. So, And then another game that I um, tried uh, tried out, which I have been playing, but I had to go see the real-life tank, and that's World of Tanks. 
We watched that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that game. I mean, it's one of those games that you can just, you know, go and do, and, and, and if you have to get up and walk away in the middle of it, so what? You just get blown up. That's it. No big deal, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's it's not really a uh, like an MMO, and it's kind of totally out of character for me to play that sort of game. But... Uh, my husband always laughs when I'm over there because I'm going, aha, I got you. And, I, and he says, I, and then he'll hear me yell, blown up, sir, because <laughs> I love to go and get blown up and or blow somebody up. And it's great. I've got a picture of me in front of the tank, though. <laughs> oh, yes. That's a good shot. Um, yeah, we watched a little bit of it, and there wasn't a whole lot going on, and we got bored and I was and like, <laughs> this is like what flight simulators are but in tanks because it seemed really technical and accurate and like the most boring thing I saw at PAX. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was the most boring thing it, I saw It at was technical and it is I, technical <laughs> and it's very strategic and that's why it's totally out of character for me to play. <laughs> and, by and by strategic you mean both sides just yeah, sit motionless we were like, and stare at each we other. Were, I know, we're like jerks and I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm sorry, World of well, Tanks officially matters. But I was standing behind like a tournament group who were playing and the announcer was like, well, these are really experienced players because they all are working with strategy. And there was like a tank in a barn not moving. <laughs> and he's just like has a sight lined up. And they're like, I wonder who's going to come out from behind their hiding place first. And nobody did. <laughs> and nobody did. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. this could I mean, go we on We literally for hours. watched it. We literally watched it for eight minutes. And they yeah. just stood there not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I'm sure this is good in some other scenario. Yeah. I, and the guys, something. like, when noobs play this game, they just charge across the field and die. And those guys are idiots. And I was like, I would much rather watch you hide behind the crest of the hill, I guess. <laughs> And they all knew the models of the tanks, and I'm like, they kind of look the same to me. And this one guy had, like, gotten to the settings and changed his crosshair to be transparent and green instead of the other thing. And I'm like, oh, man, I found the one game that oh, packs more boring than the Phoenix that I'm building. <laughs> oh, well, sorry, World of Tanks. I'm sure it's awesome. <laughs> it just wasn't awesome the eight minutes. So what did you guys play? <laughs> We saw something called Shoot Many Robots, which yeah. was really funny. Yeah, I'm glad we're calling them out because like, that game looked really, really it, neat. It's just like silly. It's a side it, – so it's coming out for PlayStation Network and Xbox Live um, sometime in 2012. I don't know if they had a concrete release date yet, but uh, – it's a it's a side scroller. It's a multiplayer side scroller, kind of like beat 'em up, shoot 'em up thing, like Castle Crashers, I guess. But where you are kind of like these hillbilly guys, and you're fighting these uh, these robots that I guess have become sentient and are like killing things. And they're kind of they're like toasters with um, chainsaws. with chainsaws soldered on. Everything looks really inefficient and gross, like it's polluting everything. But the visual style is really cool because it's kind of that. Uh, you know how Borderlands sort of has that the textures are all kind of matte and painterly? It's like that, but and the characters are sort of um, stylized, but everything is really detailed and gritty. So it just has like a really cool sort of lush stacked on top of each other look. I just love the aesthetic when, right. when we were and watching it. And it's, you know, it's like goofy and humorous. You, know, yeah. you have like these really buff guys and you know, wife beaters and yeah. like one of them is wearing like a 
pink belly t- yeah, tutu, tutu thing. And, and their their upgrades are really stupid. Like you can get tidy whities, which will help you run faster <laughs> yes. and stuff like that. You have a gun that shoots gnomes and things right. like that. Yeah. So it's just the very... in the promotional in the trailer, it's like learn absolutely nothing. <laughs> like shoot many robots. I was like, oh this is cute. It's totally, totally the kind of game that you would want to pick up on Xbox Live arcade. Yeah. So I, I just want to play with my friends. Yeah, I said I'm looking at it to the guy that the guy was there and I said so this is just sort of like uncontrolled mayhem and they were like yeah <laughs> you get it <laughs> so, so yeah that was one of the, the fun little things that, that we saw while we were there but anyway why don't we get back to tour unless <laughs> that sound good we have later that that this is still the first night friday there was the community cantina um at which darth Hader set up for all the community fan sites and uh there were a bunch there i think the at the some kind of Irish brewery or pub or something. And the Blarney Stone. The, yes. Which is what it was called. Yeah, <laughs> the Blarney Stone. Thank you, the Blarney Stone, for, for having us. Uh, Yay! <laughs> um, there was quite a crowd. It yeah. was the, the, A lot of people came and a lot of people stayed. <laughs> yeah. And Carla, I know, I, heard, I know that you guys set, helped set up early, didn't you? Well, we just reserved the spot. In other words, we got there early because we were going to eat and uh, we kind of really wanted to get there early so we could take a load off our feet because, oh, my God, my feet were killing me. <laughs> um, and uh, we kind of marked the place for everybody and we got the tables organized and got them lined up to where they could start moving them into place. Yeah, and Darth Hader brought um, a bunch of posters for their that were drawn by uh, Steve, who does their comic, their little... Pro words. tips, yes. Pro tips, thank you. So, so, and he was there, and I got uh, mine signed. Yay! I left mine on the table, and I didn't get it signed. But oh well, <laughs> the thought was there. Um, and and there were actually several Bioware people that showed yep. up, also like David Bass and Stephen Reed, Brian Arndt was yes, yeah, Stephen Reed, yep. and I think Gabe and Matangela was also Bridge, Allison Bridge, yeah. So Eric, so a bunch Brian. of. Did we say that? Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, so that was really fun to see them there. Um, that and... might have been the most fun I had at PAX. Yeah, it made it really fun. Yeah, it was. It was great. <laughs> we stayed pretty late. Um, yeah. One of the funny things that happened while we were there is all of a sudden this this guy comes up to me and he goes, I am so sorry. And I look at him and I'm thinking, he looks sort of familiar to me. I don't know why. He goes, I was sitting next to you on the airplane and I didn't recognize you. And I was like, oh, yeah. So Eddie uh, from the airplane, <laughs> hello, it was great to meet you. And he just kind of went on and I was like, well, really, there's no reason you should feel bad. <laughs> but, uh, oh, of course was... he should have known you. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many? Years? I know, we're like on the cover of Time. <laughs> right, right. Yes. I have but... a billboard in in like you know in new york city like <laughs> times square um so yeah that was just one of the the great things that that you know that i loved about being at pax is just meeting yeah. meeting other fans and meeting you know it's always great when someone actually knows who you are and and it, it's wonderful to be able to talk to everyone and i that was you know that was just a, a great time um uh <laughs> yeah and and Roxanne and I were laughing at how funny Zach from Moss Eisley oh. Radio is when he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> People kept handing him drinks. Or he, yeah. Or somehow he arranged to never pay for his yeah, own drink. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. Um, yeah. Zach says he doesn't drink, but I only ever see him at these things. 
where people just buy him drinks. <laughs> and so he's like walking around with like sometimes, many drinks. Sometimes with two. Sometimes with two. Time. Sometimes with shepherd's pies that he did not order. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh my god. That's <laughs> I didn't order this, but they said I would have it. <laughs> did you hear the story of how that happened? I, I did, but we should tell it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Trevor, right? It's right. Trevor from yeah. Toro Cast, yeah. who is not a big. We drinker. love you, Trevor. Yes, yeah. so I think Zach was like, "Like, buy me a drink." Trevor's like, "Okay," yeah. and Trevor like doesn't know anything about drinks, so he looked ordered, at the menu. Looked at the menu. Was it? I guess I don't know so. How I also got it. Know. But he was like, "I'll take two shepherd's pies," thinking that there's a drink called shepherd's pies. <laughs> so he was like waiting for the drinks, and maybe one was for him. And then when like food came, and they're like, "Who ordered two shepherd's pies?" and everyone's like, "I didn't order these." <laughs> and Zach's like, "I didn't order it, but I'll take it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there was uh, much silliness going on. Yeah, oh, and how can you forget the guys from Jin Jedi? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they yeah, are Mario so wonderful. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it was yeah, I, and I can't remember just various people that we know from the forums or whatever. It was all wonderful. One of the things that that happened later is that I, I think we were talking to David Bass, and this was towards the end of the evening. And who did it? Someone just ask him out of the blue. We're always trying to get information out of these Bioware folk. <laughs> I, mean, I know it's not even fair, even at like midnight after yes. everyone's been drinking for five yes. hours um but somebody asked him about the first last name or there issue. will be first last names yeah. will there be first and last names yeah. and you go ahead and allison just said yes as like what a joke <laughs> she, <laughs> she didn't even know she's like i don't actually know i'm just saying yes and david's like why did you tell them <laughs> i'm gonna get fired <laughs> But he he said like really carefully and like yes, he went into David Bass mode. Yeah, which you can just kind of like button up into apparently <laughs> even after sitting at the bar for forever. And he was like, "We're not saying anything about it, but we have a really good reason, or like there's more information coming." Right. Which I think means which Roxanne like turns instantly instantly just turns to us and says, "I said, oh well, that's probably because." whoever your player is, you're a predetermined person. Like if you think about Hawk or Shepard, because if you think the entire game is fully voice acted and people are going to need something to call you and your love interest, isn't going to call you trooper or, (laughs) or baby, I guess they could. That's the only acceptable thing I think of. They're going to need to call you something that's like familiar and is your name, you know? So like if everyone's, if you know that you are, let's say, I don't know, yeah, you, if you just know your last name, like Mackenzie, and you can choose your first name, so you're like, I am Roxanne Mackenzie. <laughs> but, you know, the computer, all the voice actors who have recorded their dialogue years ago, they're not going to know to call me Roxanne, and it would be super awkward for them to be like, hey, uh, buddy, <laughs> like, come over here. They're going to, you're going to need something to call you, so that that was my my theory. Right. Which David Best would neither confirm nor deny. Well, yeah, he didn't say it. I wouldn't ask the question because I'm super lame. So Zach tried to steal it from me and ask for me. But yeah. And David just said, I'm not answering that yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> Which I count as a confirmation. So. No. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't even know who's supposed to I mean, about this. Do you guys, anyone who played uh, Final Fantasy X and you think that's the first Final Fantasy that had voice acting? And you can choose the name of the player character whose default name is Titus, but none of the VO like has that. 
So they just call in. There's only like three instances where they couldn't avoid saying his name. But one of them is like a journal that Yuna's leaving for him. And she's like, this journal is for the Blitzball player from the Xanderkin Abes. And you're like, that's just so awkward and weird. And I wish they had just, and you know, in 13, you can't choose the player's names. They're just like, hey, you're lightning. You're lightning forever because we need to be able to call you <laughs> by a name. Yeah. So but I don't, I don't want I, the I, same last name as somebody else. I, well, exactly, yeah. Carla. I was thinking that seems, I don't know. That seems a little weird to me. I yeah. hope, I the hope they name. don't do that. I you got to think of how, how far can you take a relationship without knowing someone's name. And like, because I was thinking uh, for years growing up, I didn't know my Sunday school teacher's name. And you can get like pretty far into just being like, hey, I have a question. But it's like, if you think of the depth that these the player NPC relationships are going to go, especially for something like a romance, people are going to need to call you something. Baby and where are they going to call you? It's in the VO already. Like, where are they going to call you? Was that, what was that, Carla? Baby and honey work just fine. <laughs> yeah, I I understand I understand why you would do that in yeah. a non MMO, but I don't know that it will work in an MMO. The baby and honey thing works fine if you start out if you meet someone in the street and you instantly are in a relationship, but the way the romances work is that they have to build and there's usually conflict and stuff like that. So they're not always like super affectionate towards you. Right. So you need a name to talk to. I guess. I can't believe we didn't think about this sooner. I'm going on record as saying I don't agree with Roxanne. I don't agree with Roxanne, <laughs> and I, I hope that they don't do that. I don't think they're going to be able to you know, um, do that. I think they are going to, because if we talked about we've already addressed this, if you think about it, because they're saying, well, how different is my storyline going to be from other people, and is that, like, immersion-breaking if I have the same story or a different story? And it's like, you know, a Mass Effect playthrough where you're going to cling to the parts that are different, and you're going to, like, rejoice in the parts that are the same. So it doesn't matter. Your shepherd's always your shepherd. You don't care. You never think actively about all the other shepherds running around. You're just like, oh, yes, man, I'm so cool. Isn't that the same as not having a last name? I Isn't mean, are we going to see, are we going to, well, this is actually a separate question, but what are we going to see when we're out in the world? Are we going to see, your name. you know, Roxanne Revan or whatever yeah. your last name is? It won't be Revan, but is, are we only going to see your first name? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because, <laughs> Probably only because, your first name. Yeah. Right? Well then why have a last name? So that they can call you something in I guess the VO. So, but it won't actually so that ever there's be something hard coded into the game already. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that reason. But there's already know. like a divide between like your MMO interactions and your story interactions. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about the way your character, your voiced player character, at, interacts with other NPCs, and the way that you know you as the player character, or not right. even the player character, the player interact with other people. Unless you're into RPing, you just chat differently mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. like in in the world and stuff so it's not that it exists in other elements i don't really see a reason to not do it here mm -hmm. okay well i'm sure we'll that's how it's going to work i would put down money i will bet anybody any amount of money <laughs> any amount. Oh, <laughs> we'll start a forums thread yeah <laughs> i will open i don't know how you to can do this. send your money to me i'll hold your money <laughs> yeah, yeah all right um all right so uh, the next day, Saturday, uh, the only thing official that was going on were two Q and A's, one of which I missed. But uh, but the first Q and A, 
um, was, you know, just kind of like the, I think that was actually the guild functions question and the class that? balance questions. And I was just rolling my they eyes. They all feel that way to me. I hate Q&As. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. One, and someone actually asked about the release date. What's the release yeah. date? Um, and one thing, I was talking to you about this, Carla. I remember I said, have you noticed how in the most recent iterations of, an of answering that question, they have now started consistently putting in the word targeting. So it's like targeting holiday release. I didn't notice it until you brought it to my attention. And then I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that means anything or if they, or if it does. Yeah. Or if it's just, you know, random. Maybe they don't, don't change terminology just on a whim. Right. <laughs> and I, like, yeah. They change terminology when, when things they need to eat new changes. Right. <laughs> to, to mean something. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this this morning about how if they knew for sure that it was going to be January, they would say for sure. Cause they would, that's a fire. They want to start fighting now. But so obviously something's up in the air. We think it has something to do with these new round of testing and how they're like starting weekends. So they're probably just testing their servers and things. And once they get a handle on like how that goes, I think the release dates could be determined by the stuff that's going on behind the scenes like now, now like because... this month, the next couple weeks, maybe. Even. In fact, wasn't there, there was an article uh, with Frank Gibo, is that how you pronounce his name? He's, you know, he's an EA games guy. And he specifically said, yes, we're, I mean, this just seems like stating the obvious, but he said our release date is tied to the testing that is going on. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, today, in fact, September 2nd was the beginning of the, of the big testing weekends, uh, that are, that are the going very on. first yeah um so so a lot so if you haven't checked your 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 inbox for invites there are specific invites going out just for the testing weekends and i think the way it's working right now is that you'll get there's like a separate wave for each weekend in september so you should keep checking if you didn't get in this weekend starting today then you know check again and you might get in you know, the next time. Um, well, what we're hearing too is a lot of people are, their invites are getting caught in the spam and junk yes. filters of their emails. So if you are in doubt whether yours got lost, go to www.swtor.com slash tester, T-E-S-T-E-R, and it will tell you whether you have been selected or not. Right. Okay. So good. I will be checking my, <laughs> my email. Uh, um, so I think the only other interesting thing that came out of that Q&A was, and this seems kind of obvious, but there will be no mailing between factions. So you can't mail your enemy and you can't mail yourself anything if you have the same, if you have opposite faction tunes on the same server, which Stephen Reed kind of went out of way to say that has not, and that situation has not been confirmed. So we still don't even know if that's actually going to be possible at release. Um, the, and I guess that, that was it for that Q&A. Uh, something exciting happened to Roxanne after the Q and a oh, yeah. <laughs> she hung around. Yes. She yeah. hung around and got to meet Jennifer. Hale. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's a strong word for the interaction that we had. 
<laughs> no, she talked to you. She used your name. Didn't she did. She? Well, she knew it because I got her to sign a poster, and so she's like, "Who?" And I'm like, "Roxanne." And yeah, I don't. I, it's really hard for me to say back what I said because I can't remember. But I'm sure it was incoherent and ridiculous. <laughs> it was funny. Like not a lot of people were talking to her. Well, because they were encouraging you to move through, and they're like, "Please don't take pictures and stuff." But I just like stuck out my hand, and I was "Please like, don't take pictures." What? I was like, I just wanted to tell you that I like I love you. <laughs> I think you're one of the most fantastic voice actors working, and all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, thank you, Roxanne." She was just incredibly nice and energetic, and just seemed really awesome. I wish I had. So I'd seen her the the previous day, uh, just like kind of standing around that main Bioware booth, and maybe a lot of people don't know what she looks like or something because she was just hanging out, and I was, it was kind of clear, and I didn't go talk to her because I'm the lamest person you've ever met, but I was like awkwardly staring from thirty feet away, going like, I'm gonna go up, and I'm gonna say a predetermined speech that I'm writing in my head just because, and what I would have said, <laughs> I'm saying it now <laughs> for the world to hear. It's just that. You know, Jeffrey Hill's really awesome, obviously, but the, you don't really get that from seeing her interact at these conventions because it's always just sort of promotion for whatever game. And she says the things you expect her to, which is, oh, it was awesome. The game is awesome. But um, if you haven't checked it out, there's a, a really amazing, awesome uh, New Yorker interview that it was also hosted on NPR where she just talks about what it's like being a voice actor and how it's different from film and just kind of, you know, things of that just about the craft and it's really intelligent conversation the interviewer is really engaged and awesome so it was really cool just getting her getting to hear her talk like that uh, and not just kind of you know being an extension of the mass effect 3 marketing team which is sort of how she is used (laughs) in pax 3 but you know obviously all her interaction with the fans and stuff she just seemed really excited and incredibly nice and would just like talk to anybody and And she's so darn beautiful yeah, yeah, she she could be a real actress. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, we attended a, a panel, which I and I recorded it on the audio only for Irrational mm-hmm. Games. What is their full title? Yeah, Irrational. <laughs> Irrational, and With, uh, it was moderated by Adam Sessler, and it was uh, uh, Ken Levine and um, Pff, Troy Baker and. Courtney, I don't know her last name, Very good. but the two voice actors who play uh, Booker and Elizabeth, right. and they just kind of talked about the process of one conceiving the world and writing the characters. Because uh, the quote that I love um, from Ken, or and is it Ken or Kevin? It's Ken, Ken. right? I don't. I'm gonna screw this up. But how we talked about how Bioshock was really a museum piece because you come to um, Rapture after everything has taken place and you, you just listen to the audio logs and it's sort of piecing together what happened. And he called the main character Jack a cipher, which is totally true because you're trying to figure out who he is and how they really couldn't do that again. So what they did with Booker is that he's the catalyst for all the change in the world. And they really wanted to build on this really intense um, relationship between the player character and the NPC. And they just talked about how how hard that is in a world where if you don't want to rely on cutscenes. So we talked about the one scene that is in the uh, the E3 demo where Elizabeth is trying to, to bring that the dead horse back to life and she opens that rift and stuff. And they said that that's a really emotional scene because you have to go from this neutral place where, to where the scene begins to really upset and then resolution. And you have as much time as... Um, 
as the player is willing to sit there. And that's not something you control. So they talked about, well, one way to do this is that you could make the park big enough so that they physically can't get out of it in the time that the, the scene's going to take. And just how do you stage a dramatic uh, moment when you don't know where one of your main characters is going to be? Especially since Booker is such an active part of the story this time. Like, yeah, and the player can look anywhere and do anything. Like, yeah, they talked about in one of the scenes where it's called a gating scene because you have to go into a shop to get an item. And it's one of probably the few moments in the game where you know where the player's going to be because you know they have to turn around and go through the door to get back out. So you know that at some point in time, the player has to be there. And I remember Valve talking about something similar when they when they create their vistas, these like really sweeping level design things where you just like look and you're like, this is amazingly designed. And one of them is in episode one for people know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause they also have an encyclopedic knowledge of the game <laughs> when you're coming out of the subway and you see city 17 for the first time since probably the end of uh, like half life two. And you see the, you know, the big Vista and the power lines and the Citadel and the, the TV with Dr. Kleiner and how it's like, you know, when you build a scene for a shot in film, you know where the frame's going to be. And this is one of those moments where you know where the frame's going to be in games, but you rarely do because the player has control. And I just, I love that idea where we are taking all these tools that we learn from cinematography and film and we're having to adapt them to this new medium where there's all these variables and how we can actually tell like better and more impactful stories. So that's, this is the part of PAX that I love the most. Just getting to kind of get inside the headspace of these like, these geniuses like <laughs> Dan Levine and to hear like, you know what, how they built things. And I just think it's so cool that they they go to these shows and like talk to us about mm -hmm. it. Cause it's, it's amazing. You know, video games are changing so much. And I mean, tour is tour is great. And Hupball is really great, but this is the kind of stuff that I love <laughs> the, the kind of, this is how the media is expanding. This is how it's going to eclipse film. This is how you make an emotional moment. Uh, yeah. Moment with the tools that you have. So yeah, rant over. <laughs> so, so Rex, but I think we're gonna we're gonna post that right the yeah, panel. Yes. Yeah. I so I think you guys should definitely listen to it. I think you'll get a lot out of it. It's just it's a really really cool. It's probably like the coolest panel that like I went to. Yeah. yeah, we didn't go to many, but yeah, yeah it's really yeah. hard to <laughs> get these things in. But uh, that just reminded me of a moment uh, on Sunday night. When we <laughs> this with, moment happened we were, a couple times, actually. <laughs> we were actually hanging out with, like, the guys from Torocast, Sam and JJ and Trevor, and somebody said something that irritated Roxanne about video games and education, and she launched into something that was about as long as what she just did. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Sam goes... You're an intellectual, aren't you? And Roxanne goes, Yeah, deal, deal with, with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just he, said, This happens all the yeah. time on our podcast. What he, what he said was, That's the most I've ever heard you talk. That was which is also a comment that I kept getting from when we were hanging out with drunk Zach and they were talking about the day night cycle and lighting. And I just like went into this thing about how like ambient occlusion works and hand painted shadows. He's like, that's the most I've ever heard you talk in one sitting. And Daniel Erickson also, he also did says the that. Same yeah. <laughs> Zach was like, achievement unlocked. Yeah. Daniel Erickson said that too. Cause we were, we were teasing, I guess me about yes. the last interview that I did with him. And we were like, have you ever had an interviewer who talked more than you? <laughs> 
because that's my 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 headspace that I go to. I'm like quickly to the essay that I wrote in, in my, my brain. I know what he said. Oh, that's the funny thing about Roxanne is you only. Hear she doesn't talk when she doesn't have a microphone in her hand. <laughs> yes, so. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was so like... everyone who meets me has me pegged. So that's <laughs> great. <Yeah. laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> All right. Was there anything else that you saw that day, Carla? That no, you wanted to? Uh, no, because I was just busy floating around. Yeah, it's amazing how time sucking that can it, be. It was. It sucked <laughs> me right away. Well, the big thing that ended that evening, of course, was the official Bioware meet and greet, uh, which was at a uh, hotel. Was it the Hyatt? The Grand Hyatt. The Grand Hyatt. Yeah. Um, and there were a bunch of Bioware people. There was Blaine Christine, Corey Butler, Rich Vogel, Daniel Erickson, Gabe Amatangelo. Stephen Reed, David Bass, and and were actually part of the Q and A that happened, um, and I think there were various other Bioware people there too, also. But there were actually some good there were some good tidbits that we got out of that Q and A. The the biggest one, which I misheard and tweeted wrong, was the no guild banks. What did you <laughs> think of that, Carla? Boo! <laughs> I fact, didn't you go up to James Olin? I and did. Take him to task. I did. Listen, buddy. I did. I said, hey, no. I went up and I said, just for clarification, because I think I miss I misheard you. Is there going to be Guild Banks at launch or isn't there? You know, and he said, we really, really, really want them. And he says, and we're doing everything we can, but they may not be in at launch. His That was his exact word. They may not be in at launch. So there's still a possibility that they'll be there. And I'm, I'm still got my fingers crossed uh, because I do think that it is a very large part uh, for the guilds to be able to have well, storage to share. I'm actually stuff. surprised. I, that really, I mean, there have been things that they've announced that are you know, not going to be in the game. And I was just like, eh. But to me, Guild Banks, that just seems like something that should have been on the priority list from the beginning. Roxanne's laughing. I'm laughing because that's because like you're anti-social. Like threat meter. <laughs> yeah. Well, this yeah. is completely different. I mean, uh, part of being in a guild is you share things and you help each other. I mean, that's the whole point of being in a guild is to 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 be like a commune, so to speak, you know. And you can't share stuff if you have no place to jointly share stuff. Right. I know. And this is like, you know, is it is it because they haven't done an MMO before they don't understand how important that is? I mean, that's not the answer. But but I know that, I mean, if if this had come out, if, you know, a year ago when people were saying this isn't an MMO, it's just a, you know, an RPG like all the other games, that that would have been used as evidence of they don't understand how to do an MMO. So I don't know. I hope it's going to be in. And I guess he what he said, it's definitely like a number one priority. Yes, he said in. it was a very large priority. And I told him, yeah, I said, you said know, the quote that I remember is that it's at the top of their post-launch features. Right. Yeah. If it doesn't get in. <laughs> if it doesn't get in. Yeah, yeah, I was just surprised to hear that. So. I was too. Especially, you know, when I saw that as a major failure in in regards to Rift, which I really like the game, but they didn't have a bank in for a couple of months, and it was horrible. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> um, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Especially, especially since they made the, such a big deal out of this pre-launch. Yeah, actually, systems. that does seem really weird in light of that 
where they're like, we have all these features to get you on the ground running. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we don't have a bank. Except for the bank. <laughs> Hope that won't be important. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have like so much storage. I don't know. Who knows? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe you know, it would be cool if, cause if they were trying to tie the Guild Bank to like capital ships. Wouldn't that be neat? Oh. And, they, and they announced them both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe that is. Why. I've decided that's what it means. So you heard it here first. <laughs> I really hope that you're are right. At the top of the post-launch list. <laughs> capital ships. Capital ships. Yeah. yeah capital guilded. Which yeah, they said they're, the capital ships and trophies for your ships are not going to be in at launch. Is something that we learned. Um, mm-hmm. But again, they like it. It's going to happen eventually. Most likely. Um, uh, what else? The oh, they talked about mods for your gear a bit which i really i mean it's going to be something more than just you know like sockets where you just add a gem like in wow um but because james or was it at this one he definitely they definitely talked about it a little bit the sunday presentation but you know the the idea that you can mod your gear so much that it's it's like going to be raid ready that mm-hmm. that's a big deal don't you think oh i, I think really, so yeah you know like the crafting tables in kotor where you can mm-hmm. upgrade many aspects like i'm putting a vibration cell and i'm upgrading the hilt and now right. i'm like doing all these things to it right so, so i wonder if like the percentage of gear that you can do that to is like pretty high well it must be yeah because I mean, you know in, like diablo how like finding slotted items was like not rare but it was like less than 20 percent probably right well and even in wow not every well, gear was slotted. i mean wow is even less yeah, common. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yes it's gonna be yeah you have to like get out of that thought process and think more about KOTOR I think mm, you're right yeah. that's a better comparison um so that's pretty cool in fact they even didn't didn't someone talk about how you can collect your sand people gear yeah. and, <laughs> you know, raid in it and... and raid in it so I I, I think people are going to like that idea a lot. Um, Sounds like a waste of gems or whatever <laughs> or something. Oh, come on now it'll be fun yeah uh another couple things he touched on was oh the no appearance change for your morality choices. That actually was in maybe a year ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like a physical change to your character. Like in KOTOR, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and what would happen? You like get How like your pale. eyes get like sunken in, you get pale and your face looks craggy. And yeah, I remember there's like special dialogue in KOTOR 2, at least, where your companions comment on it, mm-hmm. where they tell you that you look like calm and like energetic and serene or, or... that you look like you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Carly, you're probably, uh, I remember you talking about how you didn't want to look like an old hag last year when we talked about it. Yeah. On one of our I podcasts. did, but I still, I still thought that subtle changes were, were appropriate. Yeah. yeah subtle changes, but not, same. but not, I don't want to look like some sunken in hag if I make all bad choices, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Let's all read, uh, Dorian Gray and then write an essay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, all right uh oh he also talked about one of the things that people have been wanting or the the ability to make so such drastic choices against your you know your more natural alignments that you would actually flip factions so you'd actually become go from a republic character to becoming an empire character and that they've said that's not going to be in and um which we know but james olin kind of hinted like you know if we can figure out a way for that to work because really it's it wasn't in because of the expense um of of making all the storylines available to all the different classes but he kind of hinted he said you know if we can find a way to make that work like cost effective or feasible they would they would totally be for yeah. it yeah doesn't that seem like 
the all-time coolest like a uh, story opportunity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what all the best stories in Star Wars are. It's yes. the like falling to the dark side or like I even better I think would be like a redemption story. Mm-hmm. Sure. Kind of like the Jedi Outcast in KOTOR 2 where you know they strip your powers away and then that whole game is your slow climb. I guess if you play light side back to like being like a really good light side character. Like it's just dramatically really interesting. Yeah. You know, I understand how it'd be like really difficult because factions are so separate in MMOs. Right, but right. I'm I'm excited that they're excited about it. Yeah, even you know Daniel Erickson would be all over that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. Oh, and the other let's see. Uh companion crafting bonuses are on the way out. Mm-hmm. That was a quote from Daniel Erickson. That, yep. that surprised me. It does do me think- too, and I don't like that. I mean, I don't care. Do I do. I, I mean, I think that we should have bonuses for having a certain, you know, companion do be able to do a certain task. For example, yeah. if... Right, know, even if that meant, did if you, I mean, they're, what they're trying to get away from is... Is that if you're like... Carlo, we need your healer. And then you're like, but she's making shoes and she's like really good at it. And you're like, I hate you. Oh, man, dropping stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, but that would be okay with me. I'm not talking about rating. You know, I'm talking about making an, a, an item or going in, I don't know, let's say that they are on a diplomatic mission. I want to send somebody that's better at diplomacy. Right. I know. Yeah. So it's, it's too bad. I get why they're I doing. don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and then finally, someone asked, uh, are your, your sort of standard threat mechanics, are those going to be in the game? And um, Gabe Amatangelo said yes. And I can and actually I, I now know why they asked that. I guess in wow, they're messing around with threat mechanics like to make them. Uh, I think it's just easier to hold threat or something like that uh, or removing it they're kind of fooling around with it and trying to get rid of you know make that that whole mechanic less important so that's probably why somebody asked it about this game but Gabe Amatangelo said no it's going to be you know we're using the standard stuff that you would expect uh, from your previous MMO experience Um, so but one thing he kind of they kind of said he said but there's no threat meter in the game so and then they moved on so like as soon as he as soon as the whole thing was over i like ran over like i happened he happened to walk right by me and i sort of leaped up and and it was funny because he was walking over with rich vogel and they were chatting and i went gabe and and this look comes across gabe's face it's like oh no here we go and rich kind of just goes up see you later have fun and and then suddenly there was like a little group of us i think a couple of the moss isley guys were there and we're like well what is this about no threat meter you know how <laughs> how are we supposed to know how are you supposed Says to know the former tank yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, he, and listen said, buddy that's yeah. how all conversations should begin yes and gabe just kind of got this little half smile says well you just have to feel it <laughs> and we're thinking um that sounds not very rich like like when luke has the helmet with the blaster exactly. and the tank shield up and he's being shot by the little robot <laughs> so yes i asked him as you're telling us to use the force huh <laughs> um and then he kind of said well you know there'll be mods and things like that and of course we were like wait you just i thought there weren't going to be any mods and and then he said well yeah <laughs> that is a problem and um and then one of the things he said you know it's like this is if this is important to the community, you know, and people should say something. <laughs> um, so I'm officially saying something. He said he is for an in-game threat meter of some kind. So that that would be 
good. I th- I can't think why, unless they're going to like start putting in like little animations where you can tell that's, you know what I mean? That you're losing your threat, but it, j- but normally it's just like you have it and then you don't have it. Yeah. And you need you to don't... be able to tell if they're going to put threat mechanics into the game, you've got to be able to have some sort of mechanic set up that to, so that we know not to draw, you know, how far we are up on the threat. Right. So that and we don't just, draw the, yeah. the I don't and want some mean angry something coming at me. Exactly. It's not just the tank that has to worry about it. It's the right. healer. Don't draw aggro and and it's the DPS people. Don't go all crazy. Um, you know, if cuz cuz you're going to be sorry if the all of a sudden that big giant robot isn't stomping on you. So right. Yeah, it's something that clearly is being worked on. Um I'm interested to hear more about it because that that just seems like kind of important <laughs> um right. so we'll see uh is there anything else that we got out of that q a those are probably the stuff. highlights huh yep um so yeah it was fun got to meet a bunch of people and um, got to meet just, just talk to there was a there was a good turnout we got a couple of free drinks mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that was good <laughs> um and then i guess it was over by around they started kicking us out at 10 uh, o'clock. around 10 or something like that <laughs> after we'd all been there for about three hours yeah. uh so thank you bioware we had a great time it was great Yay. it's great that you guys you know participate in these things you throw these parties and and wine and dine us because it's just a you know aside from the free alcohol it's just really nice that you you know let us talk to you and and you know especially not so much the fan sites because we we do get these opportunities to talk to them but it's great to see them mixing with just the fans oh i'm not i'm not like complaining but this is just something i just remembered at pax east there were like hors d'oeuvres You are. I just like, remember. No, I, so I mean, we didn't get dined. We only got wine. We got more drinks, though. Oh, and, and yeah. we have and to mention have that drinks, we've so. been on our feet for 12 hours or whatever, or 10 hours, and there were no chairs. No. There was no place <laughs> to sit. It's a mixer. You're supposed to mix. I know. I don't mind mixing, but every now and then you got to just sit down. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, then let's move on to Sunday, which is the final day. I, Carly, you actually went. I, I didn't know there was going to be a Q&A on Sunday, but you actually were there for that one, weren't you? I was. I was at the first one. I, I think I missed the, the last one because oh, I was. Oh, was there Okay. Oh, no, I guess there wasn't on the last I think there was one, only the one because they had the... Yeah, the, I just happened happen. to be there. I didn't know that they were having one. And mm-hmm. I saw them setting up and I saw people moving towards the stage. And I went, oh, oh, I guess I better get over here. And I started looking for you because you're always right there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> always. And you like weren't. That. And I was going, uh-oh, I better start tweeting. Although <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like they said anything. That, nah, you they didn't. anything big. It was nah. more like a repeat that companions are in flashpoints but probably not in operations, right. which is what they've been doing all along. And then they emphasized the, what the economy. Yeah. was controlled is. by crafters in the auction house. Yeah. Which is good news. Right. Um, and then I guess the rest of that, that the time we, you and I, like we hung around the tour booth a lot more um, right. that day than any other days. And it was, it was great just to talk to the people standing in line. We met, we met some guy, I think his name was Will, who had come all the way from New Zealand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And uh, and he, I said, is this, you know, did you come just for this? And he said, well, his wife had relatives, but the relatives were actually on the East Coast. Um, so they did make a special trip, you know, from the East Coast 
just to go to PAX. And, you know, that's actually a big commitment of money and time. It's not cheap to fly from one end of this country to the other. (laughs) Um, And stay in the hotels locally. Oh, my gosh. Right, right. So, so yeah, that was probably the the farthest person that I spoke to. (laughs) Um, And he was there to play... I think he was hoping to play hotball. I don't think I got a chance to talk to him afterwards, but uh, so that that was fun. We you know we talked, got a few more bumpers um, from people, and and then that afternoon there was the official presentation, which was in this beautiful theater called the Paramount Theater, um, and they did their whole their whole spiel Mm -hmm. a lot of which we had already seen they played the eternity vault trailer i think or or something anyway some trailers that we've seen um uh and and uh kind of talked a little bit i like the little factoid that they've hired over there are over 900 voice actors in this game and those those 900 voice actors have voiced 10,000 voiced named PCs and PCs. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's that, that's kind of a crazy number. Uh, um, what else? That we, they are already in production for content after launch. So it's nice to hear them talking about things that are going to happen after uh, the game is released. Um, then the, the most fun thing was the Eternity Vault demo. Yeah. Yeah, the live playthrough with audience participation. <laughs> right, right. They just they just snagged six people from the audience uh, to play with um, two of the developers. I think it was it Corey Butler and uh, who was the other one? Was it Deb Shin? I can't Maybe. remember. <laughs> um, and and they did that opening the opening sequence where you land on the from on the escape pods and then you take on those mobs outside that we've seen in some of the uh, trailers that were released at previous cons, um, and. And I don't, I don't know what it was like for people who were not there to watch it later on video that some of the people have posted, but, but being in that audience was so much fun. It was, it was like, it became sort of like this audience participatory thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, I remember if you, like, we talked about this on the show before, but when we saw the, the Lord of the Rings with the, with the live orchestra and just watching that movie with like a couple thousand people who are all like really reacting at the appropriate moments. It was just really energizing and cool. So, so like when, you know, when the, uh, the sorcerer called down the, the force lightning or whatever, and everyone like gasps and is like cheering and stuff. I was like, Oh man, this is just really awesome. Yes. It's just cool. You're like sitting in this really awesome theater geeking out with like, (laughs) like what they said, like 3000 other people who think that this is as cool as you do. And not, which is a lot different than secretly watching it during work at my desk. And I like have to keep (laughs) my reaction like really neutral. (laughs) Um, um, I also thought it was good. I don't know what if how the difficulty was tweaked, but um, they said they played it on easy. So. Did they play it on easy? Yeah. Okay, and then they also like each person had like a coach, like they had a bio yeah. person explaining yep. you know what they should be doing. Yep. But uh, but this group actually did really well. I thought. I, I thought they that. did too. I mean, yeah. to have never had their hands on the game like that in that well, particular. Some of them may have some them had. But, no, actually. Don't we know that they? I mean, because the way they asked for volunteers is they said who they, plays a yeah yeah they they called out like the actually the yeah. advanced class of the yeah. thing and the people would raise their hand. That doesn't mean that those people just didn't want to be called up to the yeah. stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's true. And and as we seem to have found out, I felt like every other person that I talked to at the convention is in testing. Yeah. <laughs> so 
were like, what is this? I mean, literally, literally almost half of the people. It became a thing after I started noticing that a yeah. lot of people were in testing. Like anytime I talked to someone, I would ask, are you in testing? And, and it was literally like almost half of the people I talked to. I would say maybe a little more than that. No, I think it's a little less. There were some no's towards the end. I guess you interviewed more people. (laughs) But so, um, so yes, I think there's a good chance that those people actually that ran it actually were in testing and have had experience. But um, but yeah, they did great. I mean, they the couple they lost a couple people, and they got really close to taking that big you know because the Sith drug are not released. Like (laughs) it was kind of like over then, but it took. 10 more minutes to be over. <laughs> yes. Uh, he released rather than, yeah. rather than waiting for somebody to do a co- in combat res. So yeah, yeah that might've gone the other way, but at least he didn't run towards the other, the group as even though he was the bomb. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is funny. I uh, mean, you've probably heard this story before, but we found out that that was actually Corey Butler and, <laughs> and, and that he was just messing with the party. <laughs> It's like it was funny though because he was the that character was the one that had the camera and so we were seeing everything from from that perspective and there's a point where you can see that he had the red reticle, you get a little reticle over you yeah. yeah and you know that you are the bomb and you have to get away from everybody yeah. but it's like it's almost like the instant that happened he starts, <laughs> he, like, starts booking it towards one of the other players <laughs> who doesn't who's you know fighting the thing and not like paying attention at all we're like no <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was amusing <laughs> but uh, yeah uh so and the i guess the only the other stuff that we got from the new the new stuff would be the the announcement of the testing weekends are starting on september 2nd today um and and also the planet illum that right. was the new which we talked a little open bit world pvp right yeah i and it sounds really fun i mean it sounds like ma- large scale kind of yeah, they're talking about like hundreds, right? Really, uh, like, yeah. and and you have to you have objectives, and it's a territory control yeah, kind Trevor of. Trevor was compared it to. He's like, well, I hope it's like Battlefront, and I was like, oh man, if you can like control the loggers and the turrets, and there's gonna be like two hundred people in the field, then yeah, that is what it's gonna be like. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really great. Um, I kind of I question the terminology. Is does this really count as open world PvP? Don't well, it depends on how open they let it be. In other words, if well, we just there land... Is there anything else on that planet, I guess, is the, the thing that would determine it. Well, and it... Nothing else that's just like a war zone. <laughs> right. I mean, if if there is other things that people can go there and do and risk the chance of being attacked, or is it just you just go there to PvP? I mean, I would hope that... There are quests that lead PvPers there, not quests that if you're not a PvPer that you have to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, but if there are there PvP quests that lead you there, that you have to try to complete. Maybe there's at like the fifty datacrons just like sitting out in the open, <laughs> like on top of hills and like really tactically awful places. <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's I hope it's more than just a war zone. Yeah, because otherwise, it's not really, to me, that's not really open world right. PvP. So, um, but, you know, it still sounds fantastic. I can't wait to, to hear more about about it. Um, I think that was kind of the end of the uh, the the presentation. Although, I just wanted, 
on the on the testing thing, Blaine Kristine also kind of made it sound like, you know, if you're not in now, you're going to be in soon. It was almost kind of yeah. like... The yeah, the thing that I got from him was, like, Lots we want to get everyone people. who signed up, right. like, into playing right before launch. <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was, you know, being too optimistic or... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, well, but two, yeah. two things I want to say. Riker Blade, you know what you did. Thank you very much. He was the one that was very kind to hold me a spot in line, in the big, huge line. I wanted to say thank you. But also, I wanted to give kudos to Daniel Erickson for, during that presentation there in the Paramount, someone brought a baby. And that baby would, it cried out just twice. Not in a, like a cry, but like, you know, a coo type, you know, fun thing that a, child does and he would just he used it you know to his advantage because it it the, the child did it at perfect time during his presentation to signify something really big and i thought it was very very cool of him to use that you know, well, I thought I don't know it was what good. Gonna, get that effing baby out of here <laughs> i hate children. i mean you, he could have just ignored it you know, he could have just t- tuned it out and ignored it. Most people would have done that. And he used it, and I thought it was great. No, Daniel's really good at that off-the-cuff stuff. So. Yeah, thought it was great. Uh, um, later that night, uh, Torocast hosted a multi-podcast podcast, and there were people from Darth Hader uh, and Mos Eisley Radio, Corellian Run Radio, and Ask a Jedi, Jedi, right? Yep. Correct. And Tor Wars wasn't able to make it and I think right. it might have been somebody else but anyway so so that was great They're, they don't have it up on their site yet when I checked a little while ago I know that Sam went back home to flooding so I, I'm sure that is why there's been a delay in that so I hope you're I hope you're doing okay Sam <laughs> um, and uh, and then the the other big exciting thing that happened to us was when we were leaving this was in Carla's hotel room we were all there and we were leaving and we were walking out the front door and we saw James Portnow and yeah. and we did the starstruck fan thing we almost let him walk by but I was like I'm sort gonna of. go talk to him <laughs> Yeah. Explain who he is attention. for those that don't know. That's right. By like, by, oh, well, James Fortnow, he is um, awesome. <laughs> no, he's the CEO of Rainmaker Studios, and he's been in the game industry doing like many different roles for forever and ever. But um, I think who he's probably most known for right now is that he's like with the producer and he writes extra credits, which is the web series that, you know, we promote literally every show. <laughs> That we do, and now you know they're they're starting to try to get into the publishing thing. So they're going to help like indie developers. They want to change like who gets to make games and create jobs, and they just they're the coolest group of people. James Portnow specifically, he's so optimistic and smart, and just has idealistic. Idealistic, that's a great word, and he's just has the best attitude and and thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> of probably like anyone else I can name in the game industry. But and anyway, we walked past him in the hotel lobby, and I just like my feet became planted. I just like stopped and stared, and he could. He was, I think he was trying to figure out if he knew us because he just like turned and looked because like, we were oh staring because we were staring and I, my face probably looked weird because I could forget to smile when I like meet cool people so I just look really intense and awkward <laughs> so yeah he was very gracious and like very... are you James Porno and we're like I love you I'm such a big fan and we were like 
we watch your show and cry. And he was like, that's not the intended reaction. And I was like, why did I say that? I was like, I, I wanted to see your panel, but I missed it. And I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> I love you so much. I skipped your panel. <laughs> I go drinking with Bioware people. Ugh. Um, so that was rolled upon. And we tried to get, we were, talking, we were like, Sam, this is the extra credits guy. He's like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> get out of here, Sam. <laughs> I don't know him. Aw, <laughs> <Aww>, Sam. <laughs> Poor Sam. Uh, uh, yeah. And so that was kind of the end of the 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 whole convention for yeah. us, I think. That was like the coolest thing to end on. I yes. was like still worked up about it like four hours later when we were back in our hotel room i was like i met james port now and i didn't say anything intelligent and, but it's okay because he's really nice yeah yeah <laughs> um, so yeah and i think i think there was like the only other oh i see on my notes here i don't think we touched on this character creation sorry we're going to backtrack a little bit they that we probably will not see character creation before launch we heard that somewhere and they talked specifically about um there are going to be no sliders like for spit like to make your nose longer Mm -hmm. or your eyes wider things like that um things that we have seen in rift and other games um you know they emphasize that they're going to have lots of different options for hair and skin and all that kind of stuff um but uh but yeah that's just you know a point of interest for some people who super care about that stuff um i think that was kind of it oh and and on gear companions will be able to take your old gear even if it's soulbound yeah, can, yeah, we found that actually in our interview. Yeah, in our interview, we found out that soulbound gear that you have, you can give to your companion. Right, and so I th- and I think that about covers all the little things that we picked up while we were at PAX. Is there yeah. anything else that you gals can remember? No, that's a yeah. we went through a lot. Yeah, sorry, I don't. I think we're going over two hours. Do you guys here. want to hear me talk about irrational again? No, no, that's all right. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) So let's just wrap this up. There was a, we just want to point, Ask a Jedi did an article on some financial group, Cohen Financial Group, saying that they expect sales of Tor to be like somewhere around 3 million units. (laughs) I thought that was kind of interesting based on, they've been tracking it. Um, And Darth Hader had a link to the site called VG Charts. And that's based only on boxes from retailers that have been sold, um, I guess pre-sold, and that they rank toward as number six. And they have they have only like three hundred eighty-four thousand boxes sold. But I know that there are a lot of digital ones out there that have been ordered also that would that would add. I you know three million. Does that sound crazy? I don't. I would not be surprised. If oh, that doesn't million. sound crazy to me. I, but of course not. Kind of crazy to me, but is it? <laughs> it doesn't to me. I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> I I think they could hit three million like users at launch. That is like well, and that's why they're that whole they're that's why they're afraid to let everyone yeah. start at once. <laughs> so, um, but um, and then last but not least, just want to direct people to our site, Curling Run Radio. Uh, there was a really good article that Poison Taco wrote for us, um, and he just took took a look at the history of Tor. You know, he began with with the very first rumors that were starting to pop up on different media sites. And, and then he follows it all the way through the official announcement that BioWare is, you know, are indeed making Star Wars the Old Republic. Um, that's the first part of his 
two-part, I think, article. So if you haven't read it, go read it. And if you have, then keep an eye out on our site for the second part because I'm you know, looking forward to see his overview of, of what's been going on since the official announcement. Hey, I kind of want to give a, a shout-out to, to Jason Taylor, who was like just being unbelievably cool the entire time we were at PAX, and we would like send him updates, and he would get them like articles up and on the site. And I just... You know, when we were at PAX East, we've never had the thing before where we've had someone, you know, kind of holding down the fort. <laughs> and we've always, it's been like a rush and writing articles on your iPhone and trying to post them. So it was just really, really neat having, you know, like a support system yeah. to like, so thanks. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much. You're great, awesome. Jason. <laughs> we just want to also just make a quick uh, plug for if we we could probably use a a few more writers on our staff if you're interested in writing articles about tour or helping out in the way jason did um go ahead and shoot us an email at corellianrun at gmail.com and let us know and you know we could probably use a little bit more um support there so thanks that might be a wrap for tour news oh my god strong am i with the force Jedi. Last time, we all went light side on the collector's edition test, although Roxanne couldn't help mocking her theoretical friend for being so obsessive. <laughs> so far, our scores stand at Carla, negative 5, Kathy, plus 13, Roxanne, plus 4. Remember, negative scores reflect a dark side tendency, while positive scores reflect a light side tendency. Okay, this is the test of the convention line. You're attending a games convention. You want to be sure you're one of the first people in line to play the latest big game. You know that people will be starting to line up at least two hours before the doors open. What do you do? 1. Wake up early, arrive at the convention early, and take your place in line. 2. Wander to the convention center and get in line. If you see your friends up ahead, ask a nearby person to save your spot, uh, spot and casually wander up front just to say hello. If they invite you to join them, stay. If not, you go back to the back of the line in your place in line. Three, wake up late. Take your time leaving the hotel. Once you get to the convention center, look for your friends who you know will be there early. Cut in line. Okay, Roxanne, what would you do? Um, I would definitely wake up early and then go to the convention center and take your place in line, because that's what I did. <laughs> yes, and so did I. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, but since you both answered. Everyone else did. Especially for, for things like playtime and games, like, those lines are, they're pretty, like, serious business. It's like, you know, yeah, people get there two hours early to, like, stand in line, and, you know, you can't really... Like, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> okay. not just, like, it's wrong on two levels. It's against the rules. And then the <clears> other <throat> thing is that it's just, like, morally wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so you, what happened to us? You oh, have well, chosen we, the light side. Not really fair to people who have made the effort to arrive early if you cut in front of them. So you get right. plus one, both of you. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Carla, we'll go ahead and throw it back to you. Well, I can tell you exactly what I did. I got there early. But I still cut in line. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like, does that cancel each other out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got there really, really early. And it's not that I cut in line. I found you guys. 
Oh, I see. Is that how it works? <laughs> well, all I remember is when I texted you, it's like, we're leaving now. You said, we're, we're having gonna... breakfast. Yes. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, but that was really early. It was like 8 o'clock. <laughs> well, it opened at 9, so if you're eating breakfast an hour before. Yeah, because we were in the queue room. I was, were... I was in, in the building at 9 o'clock. Oh, whatever. We were, if you never set foot in the queue room, it doesn't count. Because we were like, because we were in the queue room, just like, well, and we were like the fifth people in the media line. Right. We're like, all right. And then, like, literally every fan site came up and just, like, joined us. Yeah, so, we're so like, Carly, oh. you weren't the only one. It was like suddenly there Oh, was so y'all were making me feel all bad. No, no, no. It was like literally every fan What did Roxanne say? The moral or right thing to do? <laughs> Wrong less wrong when more people do it, right? That is how ethics work. So, yeah. <laughs> I could be dishonest and say that I would go early and stand in line, but I didn't do that. <laughs> no, I was all upset that I didn't get breakfast. So, like, really, all this anger is just jealousy. And I, was like, oh, I, totally. I bought you a yogurt. I'm like, I hate yogurt. And I reverted to 10-year-old me. <laughs> and it wouldn't have been so bad. You know, it was like like one or two people. Yeah. But it was literally like like 15 people joined us in our, in our spot in line and i'm sure the people behind us were like what is going on <laughs> but, uh, anyway so carla uh you have cho you have chosen the dark side lines and roles are for lesser folk what's the point of having connections if you don't use them <laughs> so yay finally you amen sister <laughs> yeah, we're letting you go back and you're you were you were like getting way too positive these last few ones so <laughs> that was oh, good oh well yeah. i did have to be honest i could have been dishonest that would have been sith like too though <laughs> so <laughs> All right, you guys, you can read all the past Sith or Jedi tests on our site on CorellianRun.com. Keep your score and see which way you lean. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you to everyone who came to the PAX events and introduced themselves. We really enjoyed meeting everyone and had the best time. You're why we do this, and thank you to everyone. Thanks to Mecco Redtail, Otis Toe, Deverin11 for leaving us positive reviews on iTunes. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Zoom. And if you need to get in touch with us, uh, go to our website at CorellianRun.com. You can check us out on Twitter and Facebook. There are buttons on our site to connect you right there. Uh, if you have questions or ideas for discussion topics, uh, go ahead and check out the thread in our forums under CRR Mailbag. Or you can leave a voicemail message. The number is 281-766-4511. Uh, we'd love to hear from you all. And that wraps it up for us at Corellian Run Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. Until next time, I'm Kathy. I'm Roxanne. And I'm Carla. May the Force be with you. And don't forget to check your spam folder for invites. You have been listening to Corellian Run Radio, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast. Tune in next time to hear Carla say, Lines are for losers! And transition.